0: I just came here to tell you a story. He don't have any sermon notes. I know, I feel weird too. I feel weird too. Like, what do I, what do I hide behind my pedifolio? I want to tell you a story. Can I tell you a story real quick? I know, I know we got a lot, you know, we got people to come talking today. And I just want to interrupt this um, broadcast for a special, um, you know, message here. So in 2020, How many remember this thing called the Corona virus? Boo. Let's give our biggest boo right now. Yeah. Yeah, you never thought booing would be a good thing. Rona, get out of here. So during the downtime, I thought it would be wise to do something and enroll in a Masters of Theology program, considering I hated school my whole life, never did good, just wanted to quit, and I thought this would be a good idea to go proactively enroll, and so I found out that uh, someone I've loved for years, Bishop T.D. Jakes, had this program called the Jakes Divinity School of Theology, powered by Vanguard University in Costa Mesa, I think, California, and uh, I sign up, and I'm like, well, I'll never get in, and then I got in. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. Well, I I can't back out of this thing. Two and a half years, okay, so I got two classes left. I get out. I graduate in May, And I'll have this master's degree, which is kind of cool. You know, I'm just going to, in my heart, that's what it was. It was for me. And so I get to my very first class, and I got the jitters, you know, because I was never really a good student, never wanted to be there. used to get the, hey, Jeff, why weren't you in class today thing, because I I went home, I didn't want to be here, gym lady. Like that was the last thing I remembered from school. And so I I get to the class, and not only is my professor this highly educated superman of a man, but he's also the dean of the entire school. I'm like, no pressure. This is my first one, God. (laughs) Funny. There's like nine of us in the class. So we take this class, and fast forward a few more months. Remember, this is during Corona shutdown. We had been shut down once, and this is while we were having church in the basement, The famous basement. We like to call it a lower level. It sounds more bougie that way. But Nalani knows about that. Cameron in Arkansas knows about that. And Michelle and Chloe know about that season. Well, we finally went back to the theater. And then come this nice frosty October morning, I wake up to a text on my phone. And I found myself face planted in my carpet going, what do I do, God? I don't want to say the fetal position because that would be on your side. I was more like in the fetal position on my knees with this, the, the, this feeling that carpet just smush my face going. I would really hit a low point in this ministry because I had got this text again from the theater. said, we don't think we're going to actually ever open back up. I'm like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Where do we go? There's nothing left. No, God, it can't end this way. I was really helpless for like five minutes. And I texted my friend, Dr. Antipas, the dean of the program and the professor of that class. And I said, can you please pray for one Seed Church? It was one of the first times I felt totally uh, astray of direction. I just didn't know what to do except ask for help. And, And him and his team prayed for us. And by that afternoon, we had secured the YMCA. It only took a few hours before I got it together and said no. But I'll never forget that this gentleman was there in that low point. And then how cool is it today that we're standing in our permanent home, two venues later, and he's our guest speaker. I told you the plow keeps going. How did it happen? Because the plow never stops moving. It can't. It can't. And so just like Chris, when we keep going, no matter what the world says, we will see harvest. So all that to say, today we have a special guest, amazing guest, sorry. No more special in one seed. We've retired that word. Dr. Antipas Harris is the former dean and president of the Jake's Divinity School in Dallas, Texas. He was an associate pastor under the leadership of Bishop T.D. Jakes. Bishop Jakes, you know, is only the biggest minister in the entire world. And so he got to live in that world and be shaped. And then he, he's mentored me. He mentored other students. Like, it's so good. And then he also has founded and is the president of the Urban Renewal Center in Norfolk, Virginia. I'm getting, getting the accent down. Gualtney Bacon in the house. I bet they got some gourmet meats over there. That's what I've heard. The Urban Renewal Center is so cool. It is a center that does everything you can think of to help people in dire situations of the community. They help homeless people find jobs. They help previously incarcerated people who just got released find jobs. They help youth get off the streets out of the gangs and into like really cool programs with the symphony. That was so cool. Uh, Dr. A is a, a musician at heart, and he, he, he brings all his creatives to his, his mission here, and um, the program is just so good. It, 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 you know what touched me the most, I think, is that they also do research. So not only do they help the people in the problem, they go targeting the demographic and the societal issues of research to figure out why did it happen in the first place, How do we fix it at the source? That touched me last night when you said we do research also. I said, that's so good, I never thought about it. We're just always band-aiding problems, but what if we actually fix them? Isn't that good? So he's doing an amazing work in Norfolk, Virginia, and I'm proud to introduce him today. He's not only an author, a minister, a theologian, a professor, and has an amazing vocabulary that I'm totally jealous of. But best of all, He's my friend. Stand to your feet and let's give a biggest one-seed welcome to date for Dr. Antipas Harris.:
1: Can we give Pastor Jeff a great big round of applause? And his wonderful family. Can we pray together before you be seated? Lord, I pray that you will consecrate these moments. What a privilege. What an amazing time to be here at One Seat Church. I pray that the anointing of God will continue in this service. Consecrate these lips of clay. Consecrate our ears of clay that we may hear what the spirit has to say to the church. And Lord, I pray that when we leave here today, we leave the better for coming, saying that we have had an encounter with God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before you sit down, hug somebody and tell them, you are so special. (laughs) Be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'm so honored to be here today, and I want to thank Pastor Jeff Michelle and all of the children, the whole family for the hospitality. I want to thank each of you for the great privilege of uh, having me to speak today and your being here today, and um, I am re- I've been, as I say often, uh, because each time I have an opportunity to speak, I, I, I see it as a special moment, so I was delighted ever since I was invited to be here today. And I want to thank One Seat for the one welcome, the smiling faces, um, the hospitality. And as Pastor Jeff said, we met uh, at Jake's Divinity School. I remember I was in Norfolk, Virginia. I had founded the URC. I was a professor at Regent University for 10 years. And then I felt called to do more. uh, And I started the Urban Renewal Center five years ago. And right in the middle of, of Of our development, Bishop Jakes asked me to come to to Texas uh, to start Jake's Divinity School. And it was just such a wonderful opportunity. He and I had taught some classes at Regent University together. I'd spoken uh, at his conference, but this was like the biggest thing, opportunity I ever had, and that was to go to Dallas, Texas to start Jake's Divinity School and to meet students like Jeff, who's not just in the class studying in it, but doing it, is just a thrill and opportunity—not only to just have a sort of armchair armchair reflection about God, but to have real-life uh, reflection from the context of ministry, and have students like Jeff in the class who is pastoring and can bring that experience to the conversation was just. Uh, 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 a wonderful experience. So I'm I'm thrilled to be here today. Uh, I want to uh, turn quickly to the book of Matthew, chapter 13. Matthew 13. Kind of feel at home. I'll be preaching all day. I ought to put a timer somewhere so I'll know when it's. This... <laughs> all right. So uh, Matthew 13, verses of one through 23. Uh, I was born and raised in a little town called Manchester, Georgia. My dad's a Pentecostal pastor. I'm a second-generation Pentecostal preacher. And so at my core, I'm old-school Pentecostal. And uh, so I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And while the worship team was was ushering in the Holy Spirit today in the worship, uh, I can feel the presence and sense the glory. Are you there? Matthew 13, 1 through 23, I promise you. I won't preach like a Pentecostal from Georgia and keep you all day. (laughs) I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore, Then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Are we together? But when the sun came, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ear, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I will heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Listen to this. When anyone anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word but worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and what? Understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. The word of the Lord. Today I want to talk briefly from a subject, seed, significance, success. Say that, seed, significance, success. And those are actually my points. The first is seed, the essence of an uh, oak tree. Could you put up my slide? The slides. Uh, go back. There is one. Did I not send you the right one? No, back, back. One more. No, two more. Back. Yeah, there we are. <laughs> Here we go. So when you think about an oak tree, we think about, I'm going to go back and forth. Now, press the slide again. Yeah, right there. When you think about an oak tree, this is what we think about. Something big, bodacious, right? Now go back. When the reality is the essence of an oak tree is in the seed. Aristotle talks about this, how the significance of anything is in the seed, and as small as that seed is, what we see in the oak tree is all in that seed. Somebody say seed. Now, what's funny is that I wasn't thinking about the title, the name of the church uh, when the Lord gave me this word. It was in the middle of my study. I said, wait a minute. I think Jeff's church is called One Seed, and I went online I said, oh wow, it is seed. I don't know if this is in my subconscious or what, but I think this is a word for the house. The essence of an oak tree is in the seed. What we see uh, in, the, in the oak tree itself, uh, the, the leaves and the branches, uh, one scholar says, is that that's like an accident. But the essence of the whole thing is in the seed. And it's interestingly enough, Jesus calls the, uh, the, the crowd around as he's in the boat by the lake and he starts to talking about a seed because he's telling them that you get it. You get it. You are the disciples and you get it. Many times Jesus rebukes his disciples, that, but this is not one of the times. He's actually flattering them saying, you get it. They don't get it, but you get it. And he's saying there was a seesaw that went out and threw seed along the path. And it's interestingly enough, the seed here, as he interprets it in the text, is what? The word. The seed is the word. And he's saying, you get the seed, meaning you get the word. But here is the interesting thing about it. Put the seed back up if you don't mind. A seed is potential. Say potential. Potential means having a showing the capacity. The seed is not the revelation of the thing, it is the potential of the thing. Many times people look at seed and kick them across the ground without realizing that everything big is actually in the seed. Because the seed has potential, it is having a showing the capacity. And a seed is potency. The power, potency is the power of something or influence, to influence or to make an impression. So the seed has potential. It has the capacity. And a seed is potent, meaning that it has the power of of influence to make an impression. But you can't always see it because a seed is not the full revelation of the thing. And then a seed, the third P is possibility, meaning the ability for something to occur, a seed, the ability for something to occur. In other words, a seed, I'm going somewhere with this, but a seed has the potential, a seed has the potency, and a seed has the possibility to do something. And if we then, if the word is the seed, then the word has the potential, it has the potency, and it has the possibility. It has the potential of showing the capacity of a thing, it has the potency of making an impression, and it has the possibility of something to occur. Can I go deeper? It has the potential of showing you who you can be. It has the potency of making the impression in your life, and it has the possibility of doing something in the world. If we go back to the book of Exodus, for example, God told Moses to tell the people that I am the one who is going to do something. He was by, he was by what? A burning tree. And the text says that God God told him to go and tell Pharaoh to let the people go. And he said, who would I tell them sent me? In King James Version of the Bible, said, tell them that I am that I am sent you. But if you read it in Hebrew, it says something like this, I am the one who shall perform. Scream, he is the one who shall perform. In other words, what God was telling Moses that what I'm putting in you it has the potential of showing capacity it has the potency to make an impression and it has the possibility of something to occur. So not only with the word does it have the potential of showing the capacity in you, but it has the potential of showing the capacity through you. And then the text in Exodus what God was telling Moses is the word that I'm putting in you is going to make a difference in the whole nation. The word that I'm putting in you has the potency to do something great. And the word I'm putting in you has the possibility to do something. So the word is not just ideological. The word is not just a concept. The word is not just words for us to reflect on and have a good idea. But the word has possibility of making change. Somebody say change. And if you read the book of Exodus, you know what God did. God spoke a word to, to Moses and said, go tell the Pharaoh to let my people go. And Pharaoh resisted Moses. But it gave God an opportunity for the word to do something. Because it wasn't just an idea for him to agree with or not. It was the power of transformation. The word has power of transformation. In other words, the, the the word, the seed, go back to this seed. Put the seed back up there. Because the seed, now when you look at the seed, it's not just, imagine that it's not just an acorn. It's actually the word. It's G, uh, Jesus calls the seed the word. So if the if he's comparing the seed to the word, and the seed has potential, has potency, and has possibility, the word has what? Potential, say it with me, potency and possibility. And the seed is not stagnant. The seed will do something. It's amazing to me when you see this little acorn, you cannot imagine what it can do. But everything in that huge bodacious oak tree is in that seed. It's all in the seed. And oftentimes we want to see big things happen. We want to make a big difference in the world, but it all starts with a seed, a seed, a seed. Something small has the potential to do something great. Now, the problem in the text, the problem in the text is not the seed, but the placement of the seed. Jesus said that the sower goes out and he scatters seeds. So if the seed is the word, he's scattering the right thing in the wrong place. Because the first place, he says, he, he, he throws it on hard ground where there is no fertility. So then the seed cannot do what it is it has the potential, the potency and the possibility of doing because it's placed in the wrong place. So, we don't admire the seed because it looks good or sounds good or feels good. We appreciate the seed for what it can produce. But a seed can only produce when its placement is in a receptive ground. Fertile soil is soil uh, that is receptive to the placement. Can you go to the next slide? There's a slide there after the big oak tree, after that. Yes. So here we see in order for the seed to grow, it has to be planted in fertile soil. So then you can have the right thing in the wrong place. You see, you can be the right person in the wrong place. Let's take it in a different way. You could be the right person at the wrong job. And oftentimes we judge the person by the job when actually the person could be the right person in the wrong place. It is very possible if the word of God can be cast in a place that is the wrong place, so can we also be in the wrong place. We have to have the right place for the thing that we have. We have to have the right place for the seed to be planted. Because the seed has possibility, but when it is not in a receptive place, with the right temperature, at the right time, that which has great possibility, the destiny can be aborted. So then that leads me to my next point about significance. You understand the seed. Now let's go to the significance. Significance has to do with the knowledge with no understanding, has no practical significance. I want to say that again. Knowledge with no understanding has no practical significance. a word. Word. In the beginning was the what? Word. The word there in in Greek for word is logos. That's where we get the word logic. That was where we get the word knowledge. In the beginning was logic. The The word was with God and the word was God. But that knowledge of that logos, that word with no understanding has no practical significance. Everyone in the text has the word. Everywhere that we see in Matthew 13, it says the seeds were planted, hard ground, where there were thickets there was seed, and also in good ground. So the word was everywhere. So what Jesus is saying is that everybody has opportunity to have the word. In the text, everybody has the word, but everybody does not have the understanding of the word. He says in the latter part that only those who had the word and understanding We're able to have what? Fruit. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about this. That we understand the word is the seed and the seed is the word. But the only way you can bear fruit in the latter part of the text is that you have to have understanding. Understanding is enlightenment about who Jesus is. John 1, word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Or as uh, Eugene Peterson says uh, in the Message Bible, the word was made flesh and dwelt in the neighborhood. In Colossians 2 and 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in the bodily form. So in other words, the understanding is the enlightenment of who Jesus is. While everybody had the word, they didn't have the enlightenment of who Jesus is. They had the word, the Bible says. The prophets had the word. Many other people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had the word, but they didn't have the enlightenment of the word, so then they didn't understand who Jesus is. Understanding is insight. So understanding is enlightenment, and now understanding is insight. Understanding is insight into the practical value of the word. This is why the songwriter says, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Because I want to see you. We want to have insight. Because if we don't have it, we have word. We have seed and no insight. We have word and no fertile ground. Because fertile ground is understanding. Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all you're getting, get a what? Understanding. Because wisdom is the word. Wisdom, logos, also means wisdom. The word of God is wisdom. But to have wisdom with no understanding and of no avail. So, in other words, you can't just have knowledge and no practical application of how to, uh, how the, it's no good to have wisdom or have word or have knowledge and don't have a practical application of that thing. Understanding. Is the uh, wisdom is the principal thing, but don't just get wisdom, also get understanding. Because understanding is the ultimate gift of the Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, many of us from uh, of Pentecostal background would say, Acts chapter 2 is about the birth of the church. And um, Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. Speaking in tongues is part of my upbringing. And I've always thought that speaking in tongues was the gift of unique gift of Acts chapter 2, but it wasn't until later study that I realized that speaking is not the real unique gift of Acts chapter 2. The real unique gift of Acts chapter 2 is something else, because they were speaking in Genesis chapter 11 in languages that were inspired by God, but in Genesis chapter 11 when they were speaking, it brought confusion because there was no what? Understanding. The text says that they were seeking to make a name for themselves. Been in a tower up over against the heaven, and God confused the language so they had no understanding because he said if they continue with understanding, there's nothing they imagine that they cannot do. And so God says because they're seeking to make a name for themselves, I'm going to confuse the language so that when they say, go to say, hand me the hammer, the person doesn't, who they're talking to doesn't understand what they're talking about. Although the words are coming out of their mouth, the understanding has a aborted the ability for progress. We cannot have progress by word only. We got to have understanding. So God said that this is the divine principle, that if you have word and understanding, you're going to have progress. But if you have word and understanding seeking to make a name for yourself, then you are contradicting the purpose of human existence. So God confused the understanding so they can speak words but have no understanding and no progress could be made. So then what is the gift of Pentecost? When God inspires the language, glossolalia, where they speak in other tongues... What's the real gift of Pentecost? That when God confused the language in Acts chapter 2, God also uh, inspired the interpretation of tongues. It said they heard them speaking in their own language and magnifying God and said, who are all these men Galatians? How is it that we hear and understand them glorifying God in our own tongue? The power of Pentecost was speaking the word and understanding and that speaking and understanding understanding is the power of the Holy Spirit to bring fruit. It said that 3,000 souls were added to the church that day, but that's not the beauty of the text. You want to know what the beauty of the text is? In Acts chapter 3, it says Peter and John were going up uh, at the hour of prayer. They went up there every day doing something they've always done, but this time their experience was different. Also, there was a man who was brought to the gate called beautiful every day because it was a sociological pattern that you bring the people who could not enter into the temple to the gate called beautiful. Gate called beautiful because they couldn't behold the beauty and inquire in the temple, so they had to sit at the gate called beautiful. And as they sat there, they begged alms of people who were going in the temple to pray. This man had a sociological impediment. He had a physiological impediment because he was lame from his mother's womb. And he had an economic impediment because he had no money. He was sociologically deprived because this was the way that they supported people who could not enter into the temple, bring them to the gate called Beautiful. But Peter and John, who had seen these folks down there every day, this time they go in because they have experienced Acts chapter 2. It had everything to do with their behavior in Acts chapter 3. So they see the man at the gate called Beautiful, and they said, the text says that when they looked at him this time, they stared at him. They gazed at him. Why did they gaze at him? Because they had insight. Remember I told you that the seed, when it has to have understanding, is insight. So they gained insight. They saw something they have always seen, but they had insight this time. To see a man who was sitting at the gate and knowing that that's not all he ever wanted to do. That man really wanted to go in the temple to behold the beauty and to inquire in the temple. But because of his sociological challenges, his physiological challenges, his economic challenges, he could not do all that he wanted to do to magnify God. So these men who had experienced the gift of the Holy Spirit... The word and understanding understood the man at the gate called beautiful. And the man thought that they were just going to give him money like all the other people. But they said, silver and gold we don't have. But this is what we have. They had understanding. And they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. They did not give the man a hand out. They gave the man a hand up because the man had always wanted to go in the temple. So the power of Pentecost was the word the seed, and understanding fertile ground that produced the harvest in Acts chapter 3. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Somebody scream, seed. Significance. Hallelujah. Now say success. What makes the church successful? What made Acts chapter Two in chapter 3 and throughout the book of Acts, successful. Church growth is a key interest, but church growth is not a sign of success. You can grow, a, a tumor grows, monsters grow, snakes grow. Ministry success is not just in growth as in numerical growth, but it's in, somebody say, discipleship. The success in the text when he says that the, when, the, when the seed fell on good ground, it says that the ones who heard the word and understood it bore fruit. What does it mean they bore fruits? That means that they are growing in the word that they have received. And growing in the word is good fruit. Fruit. Here's a, the the magic and the beauty in this text is not that they bore fruit, because when we think about fruitfulness, we think about prosperity because we tend to associate fruitfulness with prosperity. And prosperity suggests something I get as a result of something I did. But the reality is that fruit are seed-bearers. Fruit are seed bearers. Next slide. Fruit, that oak tree that started out as an acorn that grew one, one acorn grew. Go back, go back two slides. That one, the first acorn, yes. Now the next slide grew to this tree. But the beauty of this tree is not in its monstrosity and in its physical beauty. But the next slide. Now the next slide. But in the fruit that is in that tree. And the fruit in that tree are seed bearers. And what's the seed? The word. So the beauty is not in prosperity in and of itself, but the prosperity is the word that rooted, that grew the tree in the first place. So in other words, in order for me to be fruitful, I got to possess and proliferate the same seed that caused me to be fruitful in the first place. The seed in me is the word in me. So it's not about growth as in numerical growth. It is about the depth of discipleship that produces more fruit, that has more seed. So one seed can produce many seeds because in the fruit are many seeds and we can count how many seed are in a fruit, but we cannot count how many fruit are in a seed. Are you hearing me today? Hallelujah. There are many seeds in the world. There are seeds of hate. There are seeds of anger. There are seeds of materialism. There are seeds of secularism. If we do not produce the fruit of Christ, we do not have the seed of Christ. So many times, many churches are looking for people, but there can be angry people. There can be hateful people. There can be all kinds of people. The only way that we have the right people is that they have the right seed and they are deepening themselves in discipleship so in their lives would be many seeds that will proliferate the word in the world. When we understand the word, we are positioned to bear witness not just in our homes but in the public square. Can you imagine only 12 disciples and one of them, Jesus said, is a devil? So we're down to 11. So after, out of 11 disciples, the world has learned about Jesus only 2,000 years later. We have so many millions of people around the world who are Christian, all because of 12 people, just 12 people, who understood the word, lived the word, proliferated the word, and we now are sitting here today because of the word and the discipleship that they had for only three years. Say seed. Significance. Success. Sisters and brothers, my word to you today is that God has called you for such a time as this, and the seed of God is in you, and you get it. And because you get it, I want you to know you're getting it is not because you're that smart, though you are. The reason why I got it is not because I'm smart. I went to college with a lot of smart people who didn't get it. I I studied at Yale, I studied at Harvard, I've, I've traveled around the world to different universities and lectured. Many smart people don't get the word because they think it's intellectual when it's not about the intellect. It's about the fertile ground of understanding. The significance of where the word is planted is a heart of understanding. And that's why in the New Testament, they were, they were appalled when they looked at Peter and said, how does he speak with such great wisdom? Isn't he just the fisherman? It's because he had a heart of understanding and understood that although oh, I'm a fisherman, I got eternal life because I've accepted and received and understand the word, the power of the Holy Spirit prepares our hearts for receptiveness of the word. This is why we get the power of the Spirit. We get the power of the Spirit to condition us for such a time as this, to bear witness in the world, to share the love of Christ to those who don't know, that they would look at us and say, how is it that he or she speak with such wisdom? Because we have been rooted. We've been rooted. We have understanding. And we receive the word of the Lord. Can the church say amen? I hope this is speaking to somebody in here today. I hope it's talking to somebody in here today. This is why I spend most of my time with the homeless. This is why I spend a lot of time, I was a chaplain in the prisons. Because I wanted to see the word of the Lord get in the hearts of men and women. And I remember when I was in Atlanta and I was a chaplain at Metro State Prison, all women prison, 998 women. And I remember they didn't know how to do church the way many of us know how to do church because they didn't have a church background. And on a Sunday evening, when we lay hands on them and they're slain in the spirit, they didn't even know what that was. They were on the floor saying, what's happening to me? I had to call in my mom and tell her, you got to see this. This is like people being slain in the spirit, didn't even know that that kind of thing happened. that because they, are, they have they have, the, they have opened up their hearts, although they're incarcerated. They open up their hearts to Jesus, and their lives have been uh, enlightened, and they have received the word, and when that happens, transformation takes place. When that happens, conversion takes place. When that happens, a future of potential has been opened up. The possibility can now happen, and all of that which God has in store can actually happen. How is it that a young boy with, with, with learning disabilities can now have be a professor? How is a little boy who couldn't read by the third grade have written nine books? How is a little boy who couldn't speak clearly now speaks as part of his life? Because the Word did it. Clap your hands and say, the Word did it. Say, the Word did it. Say, the Word did it. And that's... One seed church today, I'm here to tell you that wherever you are, whatever your background, you could have been the, big drug is at, big, the biggest drug addict, you could have been the biggest pervert, but when the words land in your life and you are receptive to the word and it is good ground, your future is bright, your potential is greater, your possibility is greater. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of humankind what God has in store for you. All you need is the seed and understanding. All you need is the word and good ground. Clap your hands if you got good ground up in here today. Good ground. All you need is good ground. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree. You don't know what. You don't have to know what an adjective or an adverb is. But when you know who Jesus is, He will transform your life and change you from who you were, who God has called for you to be. One more time, eyes have not seen what God has in store for you. Ears have not heard what God has in store for you. It's entered; Neither has it entered into the heart of humankind what God has in store for you. When you receive Jesus, your life changes. Your life changes. Your life changes. This is why Jesus said to them, many of them have heard the word, but they were trying to intellectualize the word, and they missed it. Many of them heard the word, but they were trying to culturalize the word, and they missed it. Many of them heard the word and thought it sound good, great potential, great promise, great possibility. But the wealth of the world choked it out. When persecution came, they ran away because they didn't understand that the word was just not a feel-good. The word changes things. And what the enemy means for evil The word will turn it around for your good. The word, somebody say the word. The word took the heat out of the flame. The word opened up a barren woman's womb. The word divided the Red Sea. The word, the word touched Mary. And she was a a little virgin girl and the word came through her because the word can create possibilities and expand potential and create potency out of something that's small. Everybody's standing. So if you think you're small, if you think that you only have a little bit to offer, if you think your skills are limited, if you think your world is small and maybe feel insignificant and think, I just got, all I got is a seed, you have what it takes. You have what it takes. And God can do great things, with well, small things. I often tell people, when you think about a Billy Graham, Billy Graham warned many, many people to the Lord. But Billy Graham came from a little small church. I think it's North Carolina. Most of the large churches with large pastors bigger than life came from small, Bishop Jake's small storefront church. It's amazing to me the potential and the potency that is in one person in a small place because God can great, make great impact from small places. Jesus, born in a little manger, hanging out with the cows and the goat, because there was no room for him where all the rest of the people were. But Jesus, a little boy in a manger, you know what the swaddling clothes are? From the country, you know, with swaddling clothes, wrapped in swaddling clothes, sound real romantic at Christmas time, right? Those are milk rags. Those are milk rags that they pull the milk out of the, when they milk the cows, they use the milk rag. That's what they wrap Jesus in. Small, small place, identifying with the animals. There was a little baby boy who was going to change the world. One seed can do many things. I believe this is a word for somebody here today who God wants to use you to change the world. You're a world changer from a small place. And I don't mean small as in geographical. Sometimes it's small mental space. Well, you think that all I can do is this. And God's saying, I'm going to take that to do great things. I don't have a whole lot of degrees, money, influence. God will take a little bit and expand it. When that one seed is planted in understanding, it changes the world. My last story as I bring this too close, I want to pray. My professor in college, John Cook, Dr. John Cook, said he was 17 years old in Paris. He had declared himself an atheist. He says, but... I picked up the book of Mark, and he said, I started reading the book of Mark, and I couldn't get through the book of Mark because I start to understanding the book. And when I start to understanding, I had to either receive it or reject it. I was in a crisis where I had to make a decision because he said it's hard to read the Bible and understand it and not receive it. That's the word. And understanding Bringing forth more, much fruit. I talked to Dr. Cook yesterday. Dr. Cook has written, has his Ph.D. in the book of Mark now. <laughs> He's now a preacher. He's now filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. As a 17-year-old boy, he was an atheist. Encountered the word, understood the word, and it brought fruit in his life. I'm actually one of the fruit in his life because I studied with him, and now I'm trapped. So you see how this works? At 17, he was an atheist, encountered the word with understanding, and it changed his life. Sisters and brother, understanding the word will change your life, and it will bring fruit for the future. Your future is waiting on you. And today, your seed and your understanding is going to bring a future of prosperity. Clap your hand for Jesus and give God the praise. Father. I thank you for this moment. I thank you for what you're doing in this service. I thank you for the Holy Spirit we feel right now. I thank you for the Word because we have learned that the Word works and you're doing great things at One Seed Church. And I pray today that eyes have not seen, nor ears have heard, neither hand has entered into the heart of humankind what you have in store for those who love you. I thank you, dear Lord, for how you have called us for such a time as this. I thank you, dear God, for how you open up the eyes of our hearts that we may see you more clearly. I thank you, oh God, for your word because your word brings healing. Your word brings hope. Your word brings prosperity. Your word brings everything that we need. And we ask you, oh God, to shower us with your word and let our hearts be good ground that we may understand and pursue our destiny in your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, and thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.